Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Thank you. It's good to be back with you again uh, today. And uh, I would like, if you would, to just uh, stay right where you were as we finished worship together. Uh, because as we worship, we worship from under our skin. Uh, we, we worship from what's inside. And, and so while we're there, let's look around for a little bit of peace, uh, if that works. I, I, I think the world situation right now tells us that uh, this may be the best place to look. Uh, for some peace and uh, if we're going to find any. I, I want to remind ourselves right at the beginning, Paul wrote there in Galatians chapter 5 and we'll be in Galatians chapter 5 tonight. We're going to bounce around in scripture. If, if you're a scripture person, you may want to write some scriptures down so you can go back and read them. But in Galatians 5, he says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. So when we started this series uh, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago to be exact, of, of talking about what's inside us, we talked about these five levels of communication. I just briefly wanted to uh, pop them out there again for you. I hope I didn't mess you up by moving that. Uh, but, but I said that we, we talked about how we approach life. Normal approach to life is we get to know people just through simple things and learning what they like. And, and, uh, and, and most normally, we never, we never really get into a lot of deep relationships where we're sharing our feelings, we're sharing our heart, we're, we're open, we're transparent. And, and what, remember what we talked about, we said, this is the normal way that people live, okay? But Jesus and the scripture teaches us to live from our heart and, and draw a heart. So, so Jesus lived this way. He loved people. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't love them based on their opinion. He loved them from his heart, his values of who he was. And that's what we're talking about in this series is trying uh, to learn to live from under our skin, what's inside of us. So we began with love. We touched on kindness in that first Sunday. Uh, we heard great messages from uh, Pastor John on goodness, Pastor Kevin last week on patience, and uh, I need patience, so it was a great message. And, and we're going to wrap up today with peace. And so I, wanna, I, I want us to understand peace, talk a little bit about that. Jesus said in John chapter 14, as he was going, uh, getting ready to go to the cross, he, he was meeting with his disciples. And, and, and remember, that was a very tumultuous time. There was a lot of storm uh, going on in, in relationships. And, and he's saying there in verse 26 of chapter 14, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Okay? So that's what I'm leaving you with. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. That's easy for him to say, wasn't it? But uh, it is. So, so what does peace look like? 
If, if you ask me it, immediately, when I, when I had said that I was going to pick that, I thought, peace, and what does peace look like uh, to me, Jim, book, um, I thought Switzerland. And, uh, and, and, and for a couple of different reasons. Now, Switzerland is a fairly small country. Actually, if you have any familiarity with the Northwestern Illinois District, Church of the Nazarene, that's about the size of Switzerland. Go to Beloit, Wisconsin, draw a line straight down past Rockford, go to Bloomington, go across to Peoria, go down along the Illinois River till you get down about um, Rushville, Lewistown, go straight across the Iowa line. That's the size of Switzerland. Switzerland, uh, you may not care, but has 500,000 dairy cows. And uh, so there's about 20,000 dairies. Put, put 20,000 dairies in this part of, of Illinois, and you couldn't drive very far without smelling cow manure. Okay, so get, the, get that picture. You got to think of Switzerland also with the Alps. So you got to take that space out. So it's, it's concentrated uh, dairy. Uh, why do I why do I say that? Because that's what I did, and that's that was my life in corporate world. Um, so so first, even externally, there's peace in Switzerland. Um, I would go there. I love to go there in the summer, work with our distributor because there they walked their cows. The dairy farms would walk their cows in the spring up into the mountain, and they would and they would stay up there for the summer. And they would milk up there. There's no electricity up there. Everything was run with generators. So when you went to the dairy farms to visit, it's this total silence and beauty as you look out over the mountains and see the mountain peaks and you look down the mountains into the valley. It was peace. In a sense, complete peace. It's kind of fun to eat. At, they had restaurants up there, and uh, you'd go into a restaurant, and you'd hear a generator running out back. There's and that, and as they were cooking your food, um, it was just a, it was a neat place to be. But second, when I think of peace, I think of Switzerland uh, in in internal peace and external chaos. Um, in 94, 95, uh, I worked with the University of Wisconsin, was invited to, uh, to work with their dairy sciences division in a, in a research project that was, had been partially funded by Equipment Manufacturers Institute on dairy sanitation. And, uh, and, our, and we provided the farms, or set the farms up and, and did the testing on the farms based on the criteria they did it. And when it was completed and published, uh, the, um, the government, the Switzerland government, invited us, or invited the university to come and to share their findings, our, our findings and what we had found. They felt like maybe it could benefit their dairies. And, uh, and so they wanted to compare the research. Well, Doug called me and said he couldn't go as a professor at the university and he wanted to know if I could go in their place and so we made the arrangements um, I made the arrangements with our distributor uh, to get it set up well of course when we're going over there then they wanted me um, to do a couple of other meetings they wanted me to spend a day with a leading veterinarian in the country that was always called into problems when there were problems with dairies uh, when it came to mastitis management major herd health issues they wanted me to spend a day with him 
They warned me ahead of time. He was a pretty strong individual that, that uh, you know, this will be, could be okay, should be okay, but could be somewhat uh, controversial. And then they said the next day they wanted to set up a meeting for university, um, other veterinarians, leading agricultural in, uh, in people that they wanted me to, uh, to talk with about herd uh, mastitis management, herd uh, control. And then we were to meet with the government. And I don't remember if it was the following day or, or two days after that. So the big difference in those type of meetings is it's all done through translation. And, and so you're, you're relying on your translator uh, to communicate what you're actually saying. So like when we do a conference like that, it was being instant, uh, instantaneously translated. So you meet with the, the translator beforehand to go, every, go over most of what you're going to say and so they understand your technical terms, uh, that type of thing. So we did that. The... Um, the uh, veterinarian, it went pretty well. It was tense. Uh, he, he thought he knew a lot. Uh, we were able to carefully help him understand some things that, that really excited him. Uh, he understood English, so, so we were able to converse back and forth, and we were able to keep it uh, going well. Um, the next day, we went to the conference. They asked him uh, to share before I spoke at that conference. And this conference was being translated into high German, low German, and Italian simultaneously. Um, so there were no English-speaking uh, people at that conference. So he talked and, and introduced me, and I stood up to talk, and there was something definitely wrong in the room. I could tell it. I mean, it was like, it was like he had walked into almost a, a force of darkness. Um, I didn't know until afterwards that he had told them they were all kind of stupid. That was kind of what he told them. They didn't have a clue what they were talking about, and they needed to listen to me because I was going to set them straight. Now I think I think I could have been in, and actually I asked our distributor why was it so dark in that room when I got up to speak and that's what he told me he said yeah he said he was kind of blunt with them and uh, it, it didn't go so but uh, as I sensed that I realized that immediately that that there was not going to be peace in that room and I had to rely on the peace within otherwise you get you get caught up with what's going on in the room and you're not able to articulate, you're not able to help people uh, when you're doing that. So we made it through that day. And the next day or the day after when I went to meet with the government, now I will tell you something, I knew walking into that, 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 that I was, my knees were literally knocking. That I, I'm just telling you. The only peace was, I remember before I walked through that door saying, okay, Lord, you're going to have to calm me down or this isn't going to go very well. And, and then I walked in that room and literally there's this row of chairs like where Pastor Harold's sitting and there was, there was 12 or 13 of them in black suits, white starch shirt, black ties, and I swear some of them had powdered wigs on. And, uh, and, and, and there I was and... and I, they had taken me to their research farm earlier and our study with what the studies they were doing were totally opposite. And so I knew, you know, that what we had to do was help them understand that. But there was no peace in the room. It was only peace in here. It didn't go bad. I mean, it, it, this is government. They didn't throw things. There was nothing wrong. Uh, but we made it through it. But it, but it was peace in the midst of a storm. It's peace the way we 
search for so that we can live in the world that we're living in right now. The whole fruit growth thing in our life is, is choosing to receive which side, or in, yeah, which side will allow to win. That's really what it's about. Peace is about that. I want to go to Galatians chapter 5, and, and I want us to listen to what Paul writes here. Just listen to what he writes. He says in verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be able to do what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. We've all been there. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. We say up to a sorcery, well, I don't have a problem with that. But then he goes on, gets kind of personal. Hostility, quarreling. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions. I love the New Living Translation in the original translation. It said divisions. The feeling that everyone is wrong except for those in your own little group. They've since edited that out of there. Uh, verse 21 goes on. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Think with me for just a moment. If you could wipe all of that out, all of that out of our world, all of that out of our society. Think about peace in that setting. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now Paul starts with love. And it makes sense because that every virtue that uh, goes with that is really uh, comes out of love. And so I, I want us to you know understand that. So this is the fruit that we want to grow in our lives. And and if you look and read some of your commentators, uh, commentators will talk a little bit about that. You know, they said that really when we look at these three uh, here, these are in us. This is from Jesus uh, to us. This is what he gives to us. And uh, when we look at patience, kindness, and goodness as a result of that, that's what we give to others. Let me write it like this. And we look at these down here. This is in. This is our gift. This is this is you and me. Um, this is what comes out of us. I'm writing that very well, am I? Uh, but but notice joy here. I like this. Uh, Jesus, others, and yourself. But but there's but there's joy in that when we look at uh, what's taking place. So so these are the attitudes of God, the disposition of the mind. And we look at the uh, others. This is the qualities governing the strength of our human relationships. And then when we get down here, we're talking about the attitudes of self, our principles of conduct. And so I want us to think about that. So, 
another way to look at the fruit of the Spirit is that love is kindness to others and produces self-control in me. That's God's transforming power in my life. Joy produces goodness to others and makes me faithful. That's God's transforming power in the way we deal with others. We live in relationships. And then peace brings patience with others and increases gentleness. And that's God's transforming power in my inner strength. And it gives us focus. So, so think about that, that, that these, as Paul wrote those, he was not only thinking about what we give to others, he's thinking about how it strengthens us. So jump with me into Scripture. Uh, and I don't know how you jump, but jump with me into Scripture for just a minute. I want to go into a passage of Scripture and, and look at a real life peace in the midst of a storm. Mark chapter 6, um, it is immediately following the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, Jesus sends his, puts his disciples in a boat, tells them to cross the lake. Uh, he sends the people home after he tells everyone goodbye. He goes up in the hills by himself to pray. There is always peace when we step into our time with God. It doesn't mean that we're not going in there with inner turmoil, but there's peace in that time with God. So late at that night, uh, I love Mark's story here, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake. That lake was about nine miles across. They're in the middle of the lake. That means they're four and a half miles out. Jesus was on the, alone on the land, and it says, he saw they were in serious trouble. Now, there's no street lights. There's no lights over that lake. Jesus saw them. They were in serious trouble, rowing hard, struggling against the wind and the waves. So about 3 o'clock, he comes toward them, walking on the water. Notice what it says. He intended to go past them. This is life. God's not necessarily going to show up like Pastor Harold does and tell you to get your book out and look at a group. He's not going to do that. But, but he's, gonna, he, he, he's there. Um, it, it's peace of mind. I am here. Remember, we're talking about what's under our skin. Now, I want to move to Matthew's account because Matthew throws another part in this that we're familiar, a lot of us would be familiar with. Um, Matthew chapter 14, verse 26. Actually, Matthew chapter uh, verse 40, uh, 26 there and verse 49 of Mark are the same. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter calls to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Stop right there. There's peace in Peter. There's an inner peace Wind still blowing, waves still flying all over the place. But something in Peter said, I trust you. And he climbs out of that boat. The rest of those guys must have been thinking he was an idiot. Wouldn't you think he was an idiot? I, I would have. I, I, I wouldn't have been the guy going over the side of the boat. Trust me. I'd have sitting there saying, watch this, guys. Um, it, it, but there's peace. But, but then here's the problem. But the minute so often we take a step of faith, when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouts. Here's the thing. We have to choose what to fix our eyes on. Am I going to fix my eyes on life, 
Or am I going to fix my eyes on faith? Am I going to fix my eyes on the waves? Or am I going to fix my eyes on Jesus? Where am I fixing my heart, my soul? Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Let me tell you something here. When you take a step of faith, Jesus will never abandon you. Never. I, I, I could sit here and tell you the rest of the time, story after story, that Jesus never abandons us. It isn't going to happen. Um, and and uh, you, you notice, though, don't be confused, the storm didn't end. It didn't. And, uh, and so immediately Jesus reaches out and grabs him, but he says, you have so little faith, why did you doubt me? You see, physically we can't see him, but he's here. He's always here. He's in us. He's beside us. Physically we can't walk on water, but this time he told Peter he could. And, uh, and, and so when they climbed back in the boat, the wind died. Then the storm stopped and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God. You see, this whole series comes down to a matter of the heart. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from your heart. So what are we allowing to be stored in our heart? That's really what you and I have to wrestle with. I have to wrestle with that. So we go back now to Galatians chapter 5 to close this. And, and he says in verse 24 of, of chapter 5, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We've been singing the cross has the final word. My self-destructive life dies there. Jesus comes with the power of the Holy Spirit to bring me love, joy, and peace. Regardless of what waves are crashing around you right now, what waves are crashing around me right now, He comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Paul concludes here, by placing the responsibility on us as Christians to choose how to live. God gives it to us, but we have to open our, our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. We have, the fruit is from God, yet, yet to allow it to mature in my life, and, and we have to surrender our sinful nature. We have to nail it to the cross and allow that fruit, the freedom, to grow. That's what it takes, and that's what we ask of us and in us. So tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something with me, if you would. I would like to invite you to join me in a prayer. And I wondered if you'd do that by standing. And it's different in this prayer, because I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes open. <laughs> and some of you go, well, I never pray with my eyes open. Some of you say, well, I never close my eyes because I don't know who to trust. But that's okay. Um, you're, I, I'm going to ask you to pray with your eyes open. I'm going to ask you to do some 
just simple motions with me and then I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Um, I'll, I'll say a line. I would just like you then you to say uh, that line uh, back. So I'd like you, I, I would like you to, um, uh, to do this. Just put your fists up and repeat after me. I confess, I confess. that my natural posture is to try to make something happen. But I choose a posture of surrender over to you, God. And would you do this? Hold your fists like this. I confess, I confess. my natural posture is to take, and it's to keep. But I choose, but I choose. A, generous posture. a generous posture. Freely I receive. Freely I, receive. Freely I release. Freely I and across our arms like this. I confess, I confess. My natural posture is to critique. It's to spectate. It's to say it's not my problem. But I choose a posture of mission. I'm open to the needs of the world. Use me, God. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.